The Mecole Hardman era is over with the Jets. What went wrong? We'll talk about it today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, October 18th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy the show, give it a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the show. Today we have our weekly mailbag full of listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. And we begin with one about the Mecole Hardman trade. And in case you missed it, the Jets and Kansas City Chiefs worked out a trade on Wednesday. The Jets send Mecole Hardman and a 2025 seventh round pick to Kansas City. And in return, they get a 2025 sixth round pick. So the Jets essentially move up one round in the tw- late in the 2025 draft. And Kansas City gets Mecole Hardman back. Of course, that's where the Jets signed him from in free agency. The question goes, John, Mecole Hardman was a bad signing. Do you think it would have worked if Aaron Rodgers had been the quarterback? Was it a situation where Joe Douglas wanted him and the coaches did not? Was it a situation where the coaches said yes and then were unable to use him? Overall, it's a small loss. But to me, it makes Salah and Douglas look bad. They signed a player. They did not use him. They gave Cobb too many snaps. And then they got rid of Hardman. So you have lots of different elements you can look to in this trade. And obviously it did not work out for me, Cole Hardman with the jets. I remember at the time they signed him, I, I, you know, I was kind of skeptical about this deal, but I was a little surprised by the jets making this deal. And to me, I almost wonder whether it's a situation where the jet, there was something going on behind the scenes where the jet just said, wanted to get him out of the building for some reason. You know, I, I don't know what was going on in the locker room, but the, the Jets got about as little as you can get for a player in a trade. Um, you know, this was almost like you, you just want to get rid of the guy because they got nothing of value. I mean, they 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 sent Hardman with a seventh round pick in the draft two years from now. And in return, they got a, a sixth round pick for a draft two years from now. So that's like nothing. I mean, that's practically I mean, that's practically giving the player away. And it's not like they got a lot of cap relief either. Hardman, if you look at because of the way they structured the contract, they had void years as part of his contract. So that, that doesn't go away. The cap savings are around $700,000 or so. You know, if you calculate how much money's left on his, on his uh, salaries this year, you have to, he's already been paid for the first six games. So how much salary is left over the final 11 games, it only save about $700,000, which is a fraction, a small fraction of the salary cap, less than 1% of the salary cap, well less than 1% of the salary cap. So the fact they just were willing to give him away when, even if he's not a great player, has a track record of being a decent depth receiver. That to me, like makes me wonder like whether there was just something going on where the Jets just said, we got to get this guy out of our building. Cause I don't think it makes a lot of sense from a football standpoint. I've never been a hard, big Hardman guy. I was not a huge fan of this signing when the Jets made it, but he's losing snaps to Randall Cobb, who might be the worst receiver in the NFL. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful to, to Randall Cobb, who's had a really good career, but with the Jets putting Randall Cobb on the field, it's almost like they're playing 10 on 11. And Hardman was behind him on the depth chart. It really did not make a whole lot of sense. You know, a comparable scenario might be a year ago where the Jets signed a pass rusher, Jacob Martin, from the Houston Texans. 
but he was beaten out by Bryce Huff. Essentially, I think the Jets weren't expecting Huff to be as good as he was a year ago. You know, it's one thing a young player surprises you. He steals a role from a guy you signed, and the Jets sent Martin out, and they saved some money. You know, they saved more money than they're saving with Hardman. Uh, you know, that, that that's one thing. But he's losing snaps to Randall Cobb, who's just not a good player, who, frankly, he probably should have been playing over. But even if you don't think he should have been playing over Randall Cobb, I mean, again, he's a good backup. He may not be a great starting receiver. He may not have lived up to the expectations a second-round pick normally has. But you know, he's produced at least to a moderate degree during his career. So it's tough to say what exactly what's going on. To my educated guess, and this is just a guess, it did feel to me like there was a bit of a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. You know, if you if you follow Joe Douglas's history in free agency, he's definitely got a couple types. He likes to bet on draft pedigree. So he likes to bet on guys who were picked, you know, early rounds, first, second round, who maybe haven't quite lived up to their draft status, but he thinks they they can turn around in a Jets uniform. You know, examples of this, you know, one that worked out, I think for the most part was Sheldon Rankins. Uh, one that did not work out was Jared Davis, the linebacker they signed back in 2021. Uh, Corey Davis is one that, you know, I guess was somewhere in between the two of them. Joe Douglas likes to bet on draft pedigree. And on the same note, he likes to bet on guys with big athletic tools, you know, either, you know, really fast in their, in their combine testing or, you know, big, strong, you know, over, you know, big size for their positions. Hardman obviously fits the speed uh, portion of that ratio, but it never felt like the coaching staff ever had much interest in using him. And Nathaniel Hackett, you know, Nathaniel Hackett wanted to use his Packers guys and Cobb is like the, the best example of that. So I feel like maybe there was a bit of a disconnect between the coaching staff and the front office on this one. Again, that's just a guess. I don't know that for a fact, but it just, there's a lot that's unanswered about this. And I don't want to make me Hardman out to be better than he is because again, he was, he posted very pedestrian uh, production through his career in Kansas City, and that's in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes uh, throwing him the football. Now, would he have been better with Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback? Well, he hasn't been on the field. So, I mean, it's difficult to say that. And, I mean, if Rodgers was the quarterback, do you think Randall Cobb's getting less snaps? Randall Cobb's here because the, Jet, because the Jets have Aaron Rodgers. That's the only reason Randall Cobb's still in the NFL right now. I'm not convinced Cobb has another team he's signing with. I'm not sure there's another, te- another team interested uh, in Randall Cobb this year other than the, the team Aaron Rodgers is playing with. So I don't think Rodgers would have really made that much of a difference because he, you know, he couldn't get playing time even without even with Zach Wilson in the lineup. And you're not going to take Alan Lazard off the field. That's, again, another one of Rodgers' guys. You're not going to take Garrett Wilson off the field. Garrett Wilson's too good to lose snaps to Nicole Hardman. So I just don't see where the snaps were going to come. So that suggests to me, you know, again, maybe Douglas really wanted him because he really does fit the Joe Douglas free agent mold. But maybe the coaching staff didn't want him. It's, a, it's an odd situation. I agree with you. It's not a great look for the. I don't want to make more out of it than it is. I mean, it's a guy. The Jets not not like the Jets paid a ton of money for him. Now, I do think. I think part of this is you know if we're talking about young players who beat him out, Xavier Gibson did beat him out for the return turn role. I think that the Jets did bring Hardman in to you know handle the returns. I don't think you'd pay a guy the amount the Jets are paying Hardman though just to handle returns. I think there was you know the amount of money Hardman was making, which is over four million dollars, suggests that he was going to play some role in the offense. But the Jets just never really found a way to use him. You know, maybe Joe Douglas envisioned him in like the Barrios role or something like that. Um, Really difficult to say. Uh, But ultimately, this was obviously not a very good signing. And uh, we don't really know what was happening behind the scenes. But just very odd all around the way it was handled by the Jets. 
And for the fact that, like, you know, this offense has really struggled for long stretches in the first six weeks. The fact they couldn't even try and utilize his speed, you know, get him some touches in space. It just, I don't really understand it. And I certainly don't understand why he was losing snaps to Randall Cobb. That That's, and I'm going to go on about Randall Cobb because Randall Cobb should not be on this team right now, as far as I'm concerned. But that's another story. Ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to the Jets rookie class. It's been an interesting year for the class of 2023, and we'll discuss it in a little bit more detail. Who's performing well? Who's not performing so well? Did the make Jets make some mistakes? Well, I'll give you some thoughts on that continuing this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players who are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Christian Watson is back fully healthy for the Packers and, to, and set to keep making a huge second-year wide receiver impact for Jordan Love as a big play and a red zone threat. Watson, before the Week 6 bye, saw seven targets against the Ra- Raiders, catching three for 91 yards. He should be more locked into producing with a good chance to score in a fine matchup against the Broncos back on the road in the AFC West in Week 7. Green Bay can exploit a struggling secondary well with Watson's combination of size and speed. He also gets a terrific spot back at home in Week 8 versus the Vikings. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is all about each player being a perfect fit. The same goes for your vehicle. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to you, Everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday, and then bonus episodes as needed. Let's continue with our weekly mailbag. Even though it's a little bit early, can you compare the production of the Jets' first two picks against the other prospects they were linked with? In the first round, Broderick Jones and Jackson Smith and Jigba were names who came up. In the second round, center prospect John Michael Schmitz was brought up. It's easy to second guess why the Jets didn't pick take somebody in the fifth round, but let's compare them with the players they actually had a chance of taking. So, yeah, in the first round, the Jets drafted Will McDonald. And, you know, one thing I always say, I truly believe this, the draft is not about really the first year. Nobody ever looks back. And this is one thing that drives me crazy, especially when we, we talk about drafting for need. You never look back on a pick and say, you know, 10 years down the line, a decade down the line, you never look back and say, you know, that wasn't really a need that the player's rookie year. So people look, people talk about Will McDonald not being a need. Well, nobody's going to care about that. People will care. It was, is Will McDonald a 10 sack guy down the line? And if he is, the pick will be viewed as a, as a success. If he's not, it will be viewed as a bit of a disappointment, you know, if he's not like an eight sack guy, if he's, if he's not a good player, it'll be viewed as a disappointment, but it's going to have nothing to do with whether or not the jets had a need at defensive end this year. And the other thing I'll say is you don't judge. You're absolutely right. The question began with the statement. It's a little too early to judge. It is. You can't judge players. You can't judge the success of a draft pick six games into their career. It takes two years to really figure out whether a class is going to be good or not. Now, as far as Will McDonald goes, look, it has not been great so far. 
I, he's fallen short of my expectations, which were not that high. I mean, I was hoping he'd earn a spot in the rotation. I, I was hoping he'd flash from here or there. It really hasn't happened so far. There's still time for it to happen, though. He's, we're only six games in. He has a chance to get better. You look at some of the other options. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba was probably the guy I would have taken if I was if I was making the pick at 15. Well, you know, he's not off to such a hot start in Seattle. Now, with the Jets, you know, maybe he'd be a little bit more featured because the Jets don't have as much receiving talent. But I think to be fair, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, there were people who told you who were saying that he was the most talented of the recent wide receiver prospects to come out of Ohio State. And that includes our friend Garrett Wilson. It includes Chris Olave. Depending on how liberal you want to be with your definition of Ohio State receivers, you could even say Jamison Williams was in that mix. It really hasn't been that great for Jackson Smith and Jigba in Seattle so far. Broderick Jones in Pittsburgh, it's been up and down. Um, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of his coming out. I think, you know, would I rather have him right now? Yeah, probably based on the injuries the Jets have had at the tackle position. Would I want him starting over Max Mitchell? Yeah, I think I probably would. You know, I think there's a lot. There, we need to wait and see more on what happened. What happens with Will McDonald right now? Six games in, it's not looking so great, but I think you got to give it more time. As far as Joe Tipman goes, second round, you know, the other alternative was uh, John Michael Schmitz, who the Giants drafted. And, you know, there was a lot of talk at training camp how, how great Schmitz looked with the Giants. Well, I don't think he's looked so good so far in the regular season. You know, there was a lot of training camp hype around him. You can't always believe that training camp hype, though. We've seen that with the Jets. I mean, the Jets, there was a lot of talk in training camp about how Nicole Hardman was going to be a big part of the offense. I think you got to be really happy with what you've gotten from Joe Tipman. And I remember saying this, you know, through the offseason, sometimes a guy's not ready to start week one, but they just keep progressing. And, you know, maybe they're in the lineup week four, week five, and they earn a spot and they never look back. And I feel like that might be what happens with Joe Tipman. You can't always tell immediately whether or not a guy's going to stick. But every now and then there's a guy who comes along and you just see him immediately and you say, you know what, that guy's a player for you. It's tough to not love what well, not. To, it's tough to not really like what you've seen out of Tipman so far. He's he was thrown into a tough spot. You know, he's not really a guard. He doesn't have a lot of experience playing guard, so he's kind of out of position. Gets thrown into this reshuffled offensive line, and you know, goes out and plays well. You hope he's okay. You know, he suffered an injury against the Philadelphia Eagles, so he had to leave the Week Six game. But I like what I've seen from Joe Tipman so far. I think you know, the six, only six weeks in, Tipman certainly looks better than Schmitz, and you know, it's almost a question now. With the Jets, what do you do with Tipman? Because he looks like he's taken to right guard pretty well. So do you just leave well enough alone and say, you know what, this is, we're just not going to worry about guard for the next seven to ten years. We got Tipman. We know we, we got it locked down. Or do you move him back to center? I think right now I'd move him to center because that's why you drafted him. You felt like he would he would help solidify center. I think center is a more important position than, than guard. But it's at least a discussion now. And that's a credit, credit to the job Joe Tipman has done. So I guess first round... You know, first round, maybe he'd want somebody else. And of course, the Jets, you know, did not draft Roderick Jones in part because of that pick swap they did in the Aaron Rodgers trade, dropping from 13 to 15. Um, I think they probably would have taken Jones. And I know there's some video out there, of, you know, the Jets edited some video of Joe Douglas predicting what was going to happen. I mean, I, I my guess, this is just a guess. I think the Jets probably would have taken Jones. Early stages, very early to say. I mean, maybe you'd rather have him right now. I There's no doubt I'd rather have Tipman than Schmitz right now. I think Tipman's looking like an excellent second round pick. Next question with Joe Tipman out now, can we officially say Joe Douglas is cursed with offensive line picks? Can't find the blame when the players play well when they're on the field. And in each case, they suffer a different injury. I, I no, Joe Douglas is not cursed. Curses don't exist. And look, let's not 
make more out of the Joe Tippman injury until we find out what's going on with him. I'm not ready to panic on Joe Tippman. Let's find out what the injury is. At this point in time, I'm hopeful Tippman's going to be back in the lineup sooner rather than later. We don't know. I mean, there have been some suggestions he's going to miss time, but I'm not ready to, to call the Jets cursed on the offensive line until I, until I find out more concrete information on what Tippman's injury is, though. But again, I'm very happy with the way Joe Tippman's playing so far, thrown into a really tough spot, but doing well. The Jets do need to figure out how to navigate life with their current offensive line, though. And as we continue this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked on Jets, we're going to talk about what can they do? Are there any players out there who can help fix their problems? That's ahead here on this Wednesday edition of Locked on Jets. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Wednesday. We're doing our weekly mailbag show. Our next question, with injuries mounting on the offensive line, are there any players on other teams' practice squads that you suggest Joe Douglas should sign? I don't think this issue is going to be fixed by another team's practice squad. I mean, just think about the phrase practice squad. These are guys who are not good enough to be on a 53-man roster across the league. Are they going to step in and help the Jets out? I mean, maybe you can find a depth player off somebody's practice squad, but you know, the offensive line is not exactly a spot where there's talent overflowing in this league right now. So it's tough to find players. I think anybody good who is going to be on a roster right now, I mean, I'm not sure that there's there are many practice squad players who are better than what the Jets have right now. I know there's talk about, you know, should the Jets sign Lael Collins, the former Cowboys offensive lineman, but, you know, he's coming off his pretty serious injury and his recent play has not been very good. I think people kind of gravitate to him just because he's a familiar name. Sometimes, sometimes name recognition makes you think a guy's better than he really is. I think, first of all, you just hope guys get healthy. I, I think, you know, you hope Tippman's not too banged up. You hope you hope Tippman can return in short order. But short of that, I think the Jets got to go with the guys they have. These are guys who have been in the system. And as much as anything, you know, talent matters on the offensive line, but so does chemistry, so does continuity. And if you get five guys who are playing together week, week in and week out, you, the offensive line should improve over time, at least to a certain extent, even if it's not great. You know, even if you're going with backup players, if you get five guys who are used to playing e with each other, that can make a difference. And that can like help stabilize things, at least to a degree, because then you at least understand how to pick up stunts. You can figure out how to pass guys off. You know, it, it, there's a there's a certain unspoken chemistry to, to offensive line play that can really make a big difference. So I think you have to look internally. You just hope, hope, have to hope that you've done a good job. I do think Wes Schweitzer is a decent backup. And he was the guy playing in place of Tippmann this past Sunday when uh, – the Jets suffered that injury at right guard. And I think, you know, if he, if you need to get it through like a short stretch, maybe Wes Schweitzer can help you out there and maybe, you know, playing next to Max Mitchell, the two of them can at least get a little bit better, but look, the Jets, you know, the biggest thing for the Jets is they can't suffer any more injuries on this offensive line. You just have to hope everybody stays healthy. 
that as much as anything is going to be is going to be what makes the difference. I don't think that there are going to be many options out there for this team to improve through external means. And our last question, it's about the it's about the trade deadline. The defense is legit. Special teams looks great. Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are playmakers with talents. Behind besides the obvious needs of offensive line and quarterback, is there a position you would like to upgrade via trade? I think it's wide receiver. Garrett Wilson's excellent. I don't really like what the Jets have behind him. In fact, you know, with Elijah Vera Tucker out, I actually think the offense is not that great. I think there's a tremendous amount of talent on the defense. There's so much talent on this defense, they might be able to carry them. And I'll say this. Jets have two really good offensive skill players, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. That's two more than they have, they've had for the most of the time I've been doing this podcast. I mean, there are long stretches during this podcast where Jets have not really had much in the way of offensive playmakers. I mean, there, there were a couple of years where Robbie Anderson was their number one receiver. I mean, I was trying to talk myself into Chris Herndon being a go-to guy, a guy who's you know not even a functional player in this league. So it's nice to have two go-to, two guys who really, really could be go-to guys in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. The problem behind them is I don't think there's a lot that's very good. In fact, I think with Elijah Barrett Tucker out, you could almost make the argument that the Jets only have two guys who are above average for their role. You know, Garrett Wilson's an above average number one receiver. Brees Hall's an above average lead back. I don't know that the Jets really have anybody else who's above average for the job that they do. And I think that, you know, offensive line obviously could make a difference. I don't know that you're going to be able to get a quarterback. That obviously would make a huge difference. But the Jets need to get Garrett Wilson some help. I think he's got too high of a target share. And I think a lot of that goes back to he's the only one that can consistently get separation. Uh, you know, Lazard is he is he is what he is. He's a you know, he's a complimentary part. He's a role player. I don't think you're in great shape if he's your number two receiver. I think you're in pretty good shape if he's your number three receiver, but as your number two option, he's not that great. Randall Cobb, like I said, he's I'm sorry, like he, you're playing 10 on 11 with him. He's just he's completely finished. He's just, he gives you nothing anymore. You know, the tight ends are the tight ends. You're not going to get a lot of big plays out of them. Brees obviously can help you in the passing game, but I think you, you got to get Garrett some help. And I don't know who that necessarily would be because I don't see a lot of big time options available. I think you just keep your eyes open from now until the deadline and hope somebody uh, gets free and maybe you can make a deal for them. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoy the show and are listening on the podcast, first, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help us out and help other Jets fans find the show. Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.